joy to worship with you this morning. Good morning, Trigger Creek. As Ben mentioned, I am Mike Mantell, and I serve as president and CEO of Living Water International. Since I arrived in thir- uh, here in Houston 13 years ago, both Living Water and Sugar Creek have been a tremendous blessing to me. And it is such a delight to be with you here this morning to celebrate the kickoff of Missions Month on this Thanksgiving weekend because I am so thankful to Sugar Creek for investing so much in the ministry of Living Water International, investing in my own family and in dozens of ministries across town and around the world. Living Water International was founded 31 years ago on a trip from Sugar Creek Baptist Church. 30 of the 39 people on that trip called Sugar Creek home. Dozens of church members have been on our uh, board of directors, have been our co-founders, have been volunteers with us, have joined our staff. A roll call of the names familiar around our office include Anion, Byer, Brandon, Brenner, Brownlee, Bullard, Bunch, Curtis, Dobbs, Evans, Gullickson, Gullickson, Gilbert, Hale, Harris, Hartman, Huff, Hugo, Howard, Intermill, Quan, Laundry, Laird, Loveless, Moncrief, Morris, Partridge, Pugue, Rhodes, Singer, Triplett, Walters, Welch, Westmoreland, Wiles, Wiley, and Wong. And many more have been supportive of Living Water International and call this church home. Since that first trip 31 years ago, and by the grace of God, 70,000 formerly thirsty people now have water and the gospel of Jesus Christ because of you. So many friends are a part of Sugar Creek Baptist Church. And on a personal note, my own daughter, my youngest daughter, accepted Christ in this building not so many years ago. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. The mission zeal at Sugar Creek reaches far beyond Living Water International. That zeal is felt in this city, in seven different Texas prisons and throughout numerous ministries across the Americas and into the nations, offering hope in packages and on hilltops, sharing God's love on the street and among our Muslim neighbors, reaching out with the gospel to Nepal, India, North Africa, and Japan, helping neighbors recover from storms in Louisiana and in Honduras, giving people 
a second chance and going a second mile. Thank you for your mission's zeal and your mission's legacy. This is part of Sugar Creek's response to the Great Commission. Two of the verses that have traditionally framed the Great Commission are Acts 1 verse 8 and Matthew 28 verse 19. Let's read from the New Testament. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem across Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. We all know these verses. Pastor Mark's been preaching on these verses lately. They provide great comfort, reminding us that God has given us his power and his presence as we join God in his big plan to rescue and reconcile this world. This morning, I'd like to share with you a story, a story of God's faithfulness, of his power and his presence. Now, we all have stories in our lives and in the ministries that we support. It is the stories of God's faithfulness yesterday that prepare us to discover what he is doing today and equip us to serve him tomorrow. Is God good all the time? I understand you have a tradition here. It's called call and response. I say, God is good. <laughs> you do, all the time. I think you got it. Now, I'm gonna give you the punchline of my message. It's a little bit different. So when I say, when in doubt, you say, tell a story. So let's try that. When in doubt, tell a story. Now don't forget that, because we're gonna come back to it here in just a little bit. But let me tell a story. I know that at some deep and intrinsic level, we all believe that God is good all the time. Like when I hold my little granddaughter or I stand in nature, there is no doubt that I can feel God's goodness. But there are other times in life when that feeling is a little harder to find. When God feels distant or quiet, cold perhaps, when I need warmth. Times when I feel alone or anxious or exhausted. Perhaps you felt that way. Perhaps you feel that way now. In this long COVID winter, some new variant this weekend, or perhaps it's a divorce or a um, diagnosis, or maybe it's just one bill after the other and there's no 
uh, check in sight. Well, for me, it was when we got hit by Hurricane Harvey. Do you remember Harvey? 2017, 132 mile an hour winds ripping the roofs off of our homes. Six foot storm surges. Remember that hurricane went back into the Gulf, reloaded, and then dumped. Six inches of water on us every hour for days on end. 19 trillion gallons with a T. Now, a crisis is never easy, but that's what I've been prepared for. For 30 years, I've been organizing people to respond to crises, often on a global scale. Rising to the challenge of this hurricane should have been within my leadership capabilities, except at that time, I was feeling alone and isolated from God. In the 16th century, St. John of the Cross named this experience. When times are difficult and when we feel powerless and spiritually alone, he called that a dark night of the soul. We've all experienced them. For years, I was sure God was guiding me every step of the way, but in that moment, in those moments, I felt powerless and alone. Now, Hurricane Harvey was not the beginning of my dark night. It was just the cap that put me over the top, the literal storm that built on a series of other events. And I began to question whether God is good all the time. It started months earlier with the death of my father. Now, uh, he was declining for a number of years, but I was not prepared when the doctors called me and told my brother and I that uh, he suffered a stroke and uh, that he would not recover. The end did not come quickly. He lingered, his body slowly shut down. Sometimes I could hardly believe that the man laying in front of me was that same teenager that hid Jewish people from Nazi soldiers or crossed the Atlantic in a freighter. But he was the same man. And it was painful and beautiful to be with him. I'm a lot like my father in some ways. Uh, he was raised in the Netherlands. And if you know anything about Dutch people, we tend to be a bit stoic. When people ask me, hey, how you doing? I always say, I'm fine. Kind of like many of you. That's what I told myself after my father's death. Things were fine. I had an organization to lead and a family to care for. My wife and my four daughters, things were fine. Natalie is and has always been the love of my life. And she was right there in the hospital room with me and my father caring for my dad. And she put off that mammogram to be at my dad's side. You can probably see what's coming. When she finally made an appointment, that mammogram came back positive. When Natalie told me she had cancer, I lost any sense of the solid footing that I once had. 
I was desperately scared and worried. I wasn't angry, but I wasn't fine. I still had an organization to lead, so each day I got out of bed and I put on my CEO cap because things weren't going all that well for Living Water either. You know, Living Water was birthed here in Texas, so much of our financial support comes from the oil industry and those related to it. But in 2017, the price of oil was about to collapse. When I joined Living Water in 2008, a price, the price of a barrel of oil is at $145. After my father's death and Natalie's diagnosis, the price of oil dropped to $26. Friends and supporters went out of business. Others had no disposable income. And there were other financial factors across the United States that was impacting us. And it was heartbreaking to think of all of those thirsty kids that would not get a chance at life. Because when money is not coming in, you can't meet your commitments. People literally go thirsty and people do not hear the gospel of Jesus Christ when money is tight. And this was the context in which I cried out to God, help me, help us, show us what to do. Then something happened. Hurricane Harvey. Is God good all the time? At that moment, it did not feel like it. Let me take a step back and tell you a little bit more of the story of Living Water International and what was at stake in the wake of Harvey. Many of you may not know that story because thousands of people have joined Sugar Creek since you birthed Living Water International. So to catch us up, I have a three-minute video that summarizes our shared work. Please watch. Safe water is our most basic need. The root of all human flourishing and well-being. While water is essential to life, 844 million people around the world suffer without basic drinking water service. Many people still drink from surface sources, like rivers and lakes and others collect water from hand-dug pits, contaminated by pollutants and parasites. Dirty water makes families sick, endangers women and children, and limits the potential of entire communities. But with safe water, parents are empowered to advocate for the health of their families. Kids have more freedom to dream and play and attend school women have the time they need to care for their children, start businesses, and lead their communities. Churches with safe water wells become hubs in their community's collective life, bringing neighbors together to gather water and experience the love of Jesus. That's why in communities where we work, living water engages with local churches, 
Through those relationships, we are able to communicate the gospel message to spiritually thirsty people. We believe God is calling the global church to respond to the physical and spiritual needs of our hurting sisters and brothers. Across the globe, our staff, churches, and friends like you are working together to lead gospel-centered change. Water brings us together, but Christ unites us for a greater impact. And as we share safe water and living water with those who need it most, we grow as one, deeply rooted in the love of God. Hundred and forty thousand people die every year because of diarrhea because they drink bad water. Why do they drink bad water? Because there's literally nothing else for them to drink within a 30-minute round trip. 785 million people lack access to basic water services. That means they have nothing to drink that's healthy. Now, I want you to picture walking out your front door and walking 15 minutes every time you need to get a drink of water or prepare a meal or wash your hands, wash your dishes. That's like walking from here in this campus to Papacitos, 15 minutes, loading up a jerry can, a 40-pound container, and walking back 15 minutes with that jerry can on your head. Now, are you ready for a refreshing drink of water that looks like this? The kid in the photo, her name is Mercy. She lives in Zambia, where local churches and living water helped bring safe water to her community. This is a global problem, but it doesn't have to be. There is enough water for everyone, at least for now, and I believe that the global church can help solve the water crisis that's what we're doing at Living Water International, mobilizing the church to solve the global water crisis by sharing water for life in Jesus' name. But there's more. Water has a multiplier impact. It's like a stair step. Water is the physical basis of all human flourishing. When you link that to sanitation and hygiene, kids get healthy. Healthy kids stay in school. The longer they're in school, the better chance they have at life. If women and children spend less time collecting water, often in unsafe environments, they can invest that wasted time in their families, in developing farms and small businesses. Water has a multiplier impact. 
And when water and sanitation is delivered in the partnership with the local church, the church becomes visible and relevant in the lives of the community, sharing a gospel, sharing the gospel and inviting people to make a decision for Christ. This is an example of how, living, uh, how Sugar Creek Baptist Church has been responding to the Great Commission. And for that, I wanna say thank you. Now back to my story. I was sitting there in the wake of Harvey in my own dark night of the soul. People were counting on me and I had no idea where to turn. And so one morning, early in the morning, I got up and I went down to my office and I opened my Bible and I read the story of the disciples in what must have been their dark night, 40 days after the crucifixion of their Lord. Jesus appeared and he said, wait, I will send my Holy Spirit to give you the power to be my witnesses at home, across town and to the ends of the earth. When I reread that story in the middle of my dark night, I thought that story was speaking directly to me. That ancient story somehow had a modern meaning for me. It reminded me that God gives us his power and his presence. In fact, his power and presence are always with us. We just sometimes lose sight of it. He is always inviting us to rediscover him through his stories of faithfulness. How often have we read in the Bible, remember the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I began to look for more stories of God's faithfulness. And you know what surprised me? There are many stories in my own life and in the lives of the people with whom I work, my friends and my family. I found stories of God's faithfulness that were modern. I took a mental trip back in time and around the world to remember the Lord your God. Remembering stories of God's faithfulness yesterday give us what we need today and the stories of today prepare us to serve the Lord tomorrow. Now I gathered many of these stories in a book called Thirsting for Living Water. I felt God was saying, tell the story of my faithfulness, but more, invite people to discover their own stories and tell those stories to one another because stories like water have a multiplier impact. My little story has a happy ending. I'm delighted to share that Natalie is currently cancer-free. In this photo, she's ringing the bell at the hospital as she concluded her treatment. God still would have been good if her outcome was not good, but I'm just so grateful for his mercy and her healing. Oil prices eventually improved. And our Houston donors gathered and rallied once again. But even in the middle of the challenges, I was reminded over and over of God's faithfulness. Just three weeks before our annual gala, I anticipated we would be $1.8 million short of our commitments before the gala. And that is when I read the passage from Acts 1.8. You will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness. So that morning, through that story, I felt confident that God was showing me that even if Houston couldn't meet its commitments to the global thirsty, we could reach outside of Houston and invite our near neighbors to join with us to meet our commitments to the ends of the world. And I thought, this is a divine strategy. And I was very confident at the start of those three weeks. And two weeks later, I was less confident because we'd only raised $110,000, which is a lot of money, but it's not $1.8 million. And uh, I started driving to a friend's office and I'm praying, driving and praying in Houston traffic, more like complaining. And when I got to my friend's office, uh, he held up a handwritten check. Now, I know he didn't have the resources to provide uh, what we needed, but he held, held up this handwritten check. And he kind of said, I think it might be $100,000. And then he, he chuckled. And he said, or oh, I may have misread the zeros. And he handed me this check. It was for a million dollars. And I just was so amazed at God's provision. And then over the next couple of days, $1.8 million was raised by the night before our gala. God met that goal exactly. Now for us, it really wasn't about the zeros, it was about the power and presence of God. Every project we planned for that year went forward. Every well was drilled. Every sanitation system was put in place. Hands were washed. Bible storing workshops were continued. Lives were given to Christ and churches were flourishing. Stories of God's faithfulness can be found throughout our lives and throughout the ministries that you support during this month of mission. Because when in doubt, tell a story. Because God is good all the time. <laughs> God is good. This missions month is your opportunity to tell stories of God's faithfulness to each other and to be a part of the big story that God is inviting you into through your generosity in the month of December. In closing, there are three things I want you to remember. The first, God loves you. He's inviting you to join his plans. We serve a master strategist. His plans are bigger and bolder than anything you or I can think or imagine. God is working beyond our wildest dreams and he wants you to be a part of it. Number two, God is equipping you to do this. You don't have to have it all together. You just have to join God's story where he put you. I believe that if you tell stories of God's faithfulness in your own life, you will discover his invitation to participate in his great big story. You will find adventure and purpose in his redemptive story. And finally, the reason God is equipping you is because the world needs you. This church needs you. We need to show up with the stories of the love of Christ. 
The church can end the water crisis. Your neighbors here in Houston need you. The dozens of ministries and missionaries that you support need you. Listen to their stories of God's faithfulness. Invest your resources. You will change the world and you will never be alone. Jesus assures us, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that, my friend, is a story worth telling. I have one final announcement. Pastor Mark and I have a resource to inspire you and help you discover stories of God's faithfulness in your life and invite you to join in God's big story. Last month, InterVarsity Press did publish Thirsting for Living Water, Finding Adventure and Purpose in God's Redemption Story. We have a limited number of signed copies here and at each campus. If you are eager to read it, grab one, take it. Leave a love offering for living water. If you got 20 bucks, go to amazon.com and buy one because we hope that we could get those Amazon algorithms working for us and we can share the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world through this book. I just want to thank you for changing the world. And remember, when in doubt, tell a story. Please continue to give generously and thank you. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God, we are so grateful that you do not leave us alone, that you are always with us, Lord, that you have been telling stories of your faithfulness in our lives since we've been born. Help us, Lord, to rediscover those stories and be open to your invitation to join you in your big story, whatever that might be. Father, thank you for the mission's legacy and zeal at Sugar Creek Baptist Church. I just pray that you will bless these congregations, Lord, as they seek to serve you. I lift this all up in Jesus' name. Amen.